Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the... UK Film Review Podcast. I'm your host, Robert. I'll stop doing that. I'm not going to do that the entire time. I'm not going to sing. Trust me, I'll be I'll be terrible. Anyway, I'm your host, Robert, and he, uh, with me is Jason. Hello. And Brian. Hi there. And today we are going to be discussing, as I basically gave away with me trying to sing at the beginning, uh, the... Not like not necessarily the Hollywood musical, but the musical film genre in general. We're going to be bringing up uh, like five specific key examples of that genre, but also bringing up several other films as well in the process, and just generally kind of saying what our thoughts are um, on the genre, what some of our favourites are, um, and like how we think the genre can be used to mostly good effect. So, um, to begin with, I want to ask uh, you two, um, what are, what is your, your overall opinion on the genre? And if you have any, like, specific favourites, what would they be? So, Jason? Well, musicals have been with us for about a century now. We had so many great films over the decades, and many popular films are musicals. And my personal favorite is a 1961 film, West Side Story. It is an American musical romantic drama, and it is set in 1950s New York. Well, its plot involves uh, two gangs, the Jets, which are a white gang that is led by Rev, 
and they go against the Sharks, which is a Puerto Rican gang, which is led by Bernardo. And they battle each other over turf. And <clears throat> Riff's best friend, Tony, who is not who used to be part of the Jets, falls in love with Maria, who is a sister of Bernardo. And they struggle to be together because of their because of the Gan Wars. So yeah, it's, 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 it's not cross lovers situation. Yes. Yeah. It is an it is an adaptation of a 1957 Broadway musical which was inspired by William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. You know, I I love this film so much. You know, it has many memorable songs like The Jetson, Maria, America, Tonight, I Feel Pretty. And it has terrific choreography and terrific music by Leonard Bernstein. Yeah, okay. And, and what, what, what's like, and, and how does it encapsulate what you enjoy about the musical genre? Well, the performances are great, although uh, it stars Natalie Wood, Richard Bamer, and as Maria and Tony. And I must, although their performances are okay, so I have to say that their singing voices are also dubbed. But it, uh, I'd say it is uh, George Shakiris and Rita Moreno, who plays Rita Moreno, who plays George Shakiris' girlfriend, who steals the show with the great performances and great choreography. And it is, you know, the film is has terrific music, and it is the direction is fantastic. Okay, great. Um, uh, what, what what about you, Brian? What do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. I'm actually a huge fan of musicals, both on stage and on screen. What I think is particularly interesting from my point of view is how, from a director's point of view, you transfer the energy of a live performance onto, onto screen. Now, Jason mentioned uh, West Side Story, which for me is one of the all-time great musicals and also one of the all-time great movies, let alone a, 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 a film musical. It is one of the greatest films ever made. The sequences are breathtaking, the choreography, the music. It's incredible. It's an amazing piece of work. It's a work of art. And really, all musicals are about the songs. They're all about the staging. If you've got a strong storyline, it's a bonus. Now, with um, West Side Story, we've got the inspiration of Romeo and Juliet, essentially, haven't we, really, in a contemporized setting in New York, which gives it strength. And that's a bonus for any musical. Uh, but they don't necessarily need to have a strong storyline. Um, now, for example, um, uh, Oliver, um, based on the story Oliver Twist, written by Charles Dickens, made into a film in 1968, starring Mark Lester as Oliver and Ron Moody as Fagan, had the benefit of being a very strong story, a uh, very powerful narrative uh, that has very strong social comments as uh, regards the, uh, the period, the Victorian era, but also very memorable show-stopping songs, right? So now musicals have uh, a showstopper if one or two, if it's lucky, but Oliver has seven or eight showstoppers. It starts with a showstopper, Food Glorious Food. Now, coming back to that point about not having a strong storyline, um, Mamma Mia, for example, is the ultimate crowd-pleasing musical, but has a ridiculous storyline that doesn't really amount to anything, but it almost doesn't matter because the, the pure enjoyment and the energy you get from the songs are what really matter, and that's what carries a musical through. 
think. Yeah, I, and yeah, it, like obviously there are plenty of you know subgenres within that, like w- 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 within this genre. You know, there's like Mamma Mia is basically an example of like the jukebox box musical where yeah. you know you, you're just taking pre-existing songs and you're just designing numbers around them. Mm. Um, you know, you have the more traditional musical where like people just burst into song at various intervals. You have the <laughs> sung through musical where it's mm. almost all singing and no dialogue mm. uh but yeah so and that and, and that's one like quality that i do quite like and having watched these five films that we're going to discuss um it did give me uh, perhaps more insight than ever of the various different ways that you can incorporate the idea of song into a narrative um that's not to say that these films don't have similarities because they absolutely do but for me it, they're, they're very much exercises in the different things that you can do um personally speaking i do quite like the the genre um i'm not really a stage guy i don't really watch you know musicals like in the theater but that's more just because like you know they're all the way in london they're expensive they're long and also that kind of environment just isn't one that um i enjoy being in you know especially for that length of time um and i'm, I'm kind of talking theater in general not just like musicals specifically but at the same time on film, um, I think that they're, they're kind of better because they can utilize the film form to enhance and bolster not only the energy, but also the kind of the, the, the thing around it, the thing that like carries you from one number to the next. Um, so, yeah, uh, first of all, so is in, in terms of, I mean, if I, if I had any favorites, I think that that would be, I, I don't know, it'd be hard to think of ones. I mean, like some some ones that um, I think are really, really good aren't ones that like I could name off the top of my head. I think I'd have to think about it and do a list. But to be, to begin with, so to begin with, with like one that's very noteworthy, uh, Chicago, uh, which won Best Picture in 2002, or well, won Best Picture in 2003, but it was for the cinema of 2002, um, was extremely successful, basically launched the career of uh, director Rob Marshall, who went on to do uh, you know, Memoirs of a Geisha, uh, Into the Woods, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins Returns, um, and was like, like this and Moulin Rouge, I feel, did revitalize the movie musical, especially like the classical Hollywood musical, for the 2000s generation. You know, I think the 2000s, the ones that they have kind of owe it to this film, and um upon watching it uh although i wouldn't necessarily give have given it best picture um i do still think that it holds up decently and i think that the main thing about it that is that like although it might be like a broadway one and although it might be you know it has has, like big name actors like richard gear renee zellweger catherine zeta jones which is just a great great like trio of actors um great trio of famous actors as well Uh, like they it's it's all in favor of a storyline that I actually found to be very very cynical and dark. Yeah, it's um it's an interesting point, Rob. Um, it is quite a dark tale, and it's it's dealing with I suppose nineteen twenties nineteen thirties Chicago, the backdrop of prohibition and uh, Al Capone. You do get that kind of vibe going all through the story, but the songs instead of lightening the town, seem to hammer the point on me even more. Um, so um, Velma and Roxy, the two main female characters in, in the film, are 
two, two rivals vying for attention. They both end up in prison for various reasons. And Richard Gere is the hotshot lawyer, Billy Flynn, who basically springs them. Uh, and it's really, again, driven by the songs, I think. They, Cander and Ebb wrote this musical. We also, also wrote uh, Cabaret. And they do have that kind of sparkle about them. Uh, yeah, they also have a they also have a similar like visual aesthetic. I feel. Yeah, I think so. You can tell it's you can tell it's written by by the same, it has the same creators, and I think that really shows. But yeah, you're right. I think the storyline is quite dark, brilliant set pieces. What I thought was interesting about Chicago was, from a director's point of view, is that what do you do with a musical? Do you just film it on stage, or do you take it away from its origins and set it in a real location? They've kind of hedged their bets a bit here because they know that the principal characters are nightclub entertainers, so they can keep with that setting. They can put it on a stage, and it still looks authentic. And that's what's interesting for me is that that transition between stage and screen, uh, and they managed to do it really well. Um, I suppose I was a little bit surprised it did get the Oscar for Best best Movie uh, because I think musicals at that stage in the early noughties weren't quite in vogue at the time. No, really, no. I mean, even even back in the nineties, I'd say it was more kind of like the Disney Renaissance films that were the like most popular examples of mu- of like movie musicals and stuff. I can't really think of a. I'm, I'm sure there are plenty, but I'm, I can't really think of a big successful nineties uh, film musical. But like this one, but yeah, the, the, this one I think partially because it did have that revitalization element, and it did, you know, it wasn't just like taking one that had been done before several times you know it was taking a story that i don't think it had been adapted before to film and you know like transplanting it and also in some ways kind of doing something that like it it wasn't new but it felt new it almost it did there, there was a new quality to it there was a new exciting element of like wow we've never we haven't really seen this before and we haven't seen this style be paired with this kind of story because it almost feels like um, I don't know, like a, like a satire on media and how the American public views killers and how, um, you know, how, how sometimes like entertainers are valued despite the terrible things that they've done. You know, the storyline involves is basically about two murderers that are trying to like become famous despite their actions, you know, and these, these two characters aren't like, although there is an element of sympathy, you, you never are like all oh, these people are just innocent victims or anything like that you know they it, 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 i mean they are women in the 20s so obviously you know they they aren't in the best environment but that's never really fully milked for sympathy it's instead kind of shown like yeah they've done some bad things and they are kind of you know vain in their desire to keep that fame you know and and we see that throughout the story and i think it's like although it does suffer a little bit because we don't really have anyone to anyone major to root for um it does also provide an interesting kind of i i I guess you could say social commentary so like social commentary and also kind of character study of that uh jason what what how do you feel about chicago well i think that's uh the music numbers, the choreography, and the costumes are great. For me, the most memorable scene, memorable scene about this film is Cancer Zeta Jones' performance. I know, I, see, I think oh, she yeah. totally steals the show. You know, yeah. she, she, she clearly has having a lot of fun with her character, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of 
it's it, it, it's like it's one of these examples where it's like it's multi-talented not only could she like act but she could also sing and dance and really really well yeah absolutely I, th- I think she proved the point didn't she Catherine Zeta Jones that she was you know an all-rounder that she could sing acts and dance you know and mm-hmm. she proved it in that film just coming back to your earlier point though about there are no characters you really want to root for. I think that's generally true. I think the one character you come closest to or the one character you have sympathy with is probably Amos Hart. Yeah, absolutely. Who's the husband of Roxy. who's a bit bit of a sap, but genuine means well. His heart's in the right place, but gets exploited, I think, mm-hmm. well, everyone around him. He's the only one you have any sympathy for. And his big song, Mr. Cellophane, um, mm. which is a bit of a sad number, really, when you think about it, but... When that's performed on stage, without foul, um, and I've seen the show on stage three or four times, without foul, whoever plays Lamus Hart gets the biggest round of applause at the end of the evening because yeah. he's the underdog. And I think that's the way he comes across on film as well because John C. Riley played Amos Hart, who has that kind of slightly lovable, cuddly quality about him. So I think it was very well cast. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it, like... Yeah, at the same time, though, I mean, you know, like, in some respects, part of the reason why you root for him is because he goes through bad stuff and is exploited and, you know, isn't given the respect he deserves, you know, um, that, 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 that that's, I would say, is the main thing that creates, like, sympathy for him. Um, and I think, and I think that Rob Marshall's direction is also very strong. I think that, like, I mean, the film's gorgeous to look at. It's absolutely mm. beautiful. It's, I mean, I'm a sucker for, like, that kind of 1920s nightclub, um, you know, like, stage performance, it, like, cabaret as well, aesthetic, you know, and I loved, I loved seeing it on film. And I loved the way that Marshall helmed the film as well. He very much, he adopts this sort of quick-cut editing style that um, I think gives a lot of energy to the performances and the numbers, and um i think he also utilizes a lot of color and he does it's like color to very strong effect and also he kind of like he isn't afraid to you know experiment with the film form like you know have for the most part most of the musical numbers are just purely imaginary but he manages to he he gives them this sort of otherworldly strange surreal feeling without it feeling too like jarring i think I think the film is very easy to watch again as well. I mean, it's, you know, it's horses for courses. It depends whether you're a fan or not. But if you're a fan of, of musicals, that type of film, it's a film that's very easy to watch again and again mm-hmm. because the numbers are so well executed and you've got three great leading stars, leading <laughs> actors there that are very, yeah. very watchable. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, and and also uh, without giving giving it away, uh, the ending will definitely leave you with uh, something to think about as well. Um, yeah. yeah, Jason, do, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I'm okay. Okay, great. All right, so yeah, so there's so there was that one, um, and then around the same time uh, as Chicago, well, well, not around the same time, but like a, a couple years beforehand, uh, we got a uh, Dancer in the Dark, which was. Um, it was almost kind of a bit ahead of its time because it came out, it didn't really come out like during the period where musicals were like so popular. It came out in like 2000 and, um, you know, like the, the, the only other one I could think that came out that year was like Love Labour's Lost, the Kenneth Branagh one, which wasn't that successful or anything like that. But, but Dancer in the Dark, what that kind of, what this film does is that um, I mean, it's made by Lars von Trier, which will instantly tell you whether or not you want to watch it. 
um it's got this like it's it, it, it's a dogma film so it's shot in that same like brown tinted handheld style uh that same like kind of choppy editing fashion but at the same time he still he basically uses that and then transitions to something else because what he's doing is that he's basically telling this very like depressing sad story yet he's making it he's focusing on a woman who loves classical hollywood musicals and as a result she kind of creates these numbers in her head to deal with the intense pain that she's going through you know and the film definitely i think it was ahead of its time in that department and even though it's looking at the past i think it would play it plays most effective like after the 2000s and after the 2010s when we've had like so many not only like tributes to the classical hollywood musical but also so many just modern movie musicals as well that we can see how this film is representing an individual going through like not necessarily the most realistic circumstances but still terrible um somewhat believable circumstances and then just in her head is such a fan that she tries to like rewrite what's going on in that style in that fashion um yeah what did you think i thought it was a very interesting film it's not something i was familiar with so rob thank you for introducing me to this film because it passed me by when it first came out because uh, it's quite old, isn't it? It's early noughties, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a very innovative film that dares to be different. I wouldn't necessarily call it a musical in the conventional sense, because musicals, we come to appreciate they're very traditional and we expect them to be in a certain shape or form. But this challenges the convention more, whilst I wouldn't call it a musical as such. It's listed that way. But I, I think the... The basis of this film, really, is, as you've already touched on, is the influence that musicals have had on the life of Selma, played by Bjork, who mm-hmm. I thought was excellent in the role. Mm-hmm. I think it yeah, has... One, one of the best, like, one-shot performances. Yeah, I think the fact that it is um, often shot with a single handheld camera gives it an air of realism and grittiness that you don't normally associate with musicals that are normally so smooth. It's to have so many clean lines and, you know, everything's perfect and everyone falls in love and lives happily ever after because musicals usually are quite light and frothy, aren't they? That's what we expect. But this isn't like that. This this is a slice of real life and it it is quite bleak. It's, it's disturbing and it's harrowing in a lot of ways, but there's some really good performances there. Not only Bjork, but um, David Morse, I thought was excellent in the film as well. So it, it certainly sets musicals in a different light, in a different perspective. And I I think we should commend it for that. But it's a film that kind of flies under the radar slightly uh, because it's certainly not a film I was familiar with. Maybe a lot lot of our listeners will be, but it was a pleasant surprise to me because it's different. It dares to be different. I think that's a quality we should never ignore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I knew about it, you know, because I was familiar, you know, I'm familiar with like Lars von, Tri- von Trier and, you know, also I kind of like, I mean, initially I was sort of put off because I know that like, you know, her, him and Bjork really did not get along well and really did not have a good time making the film at all, you know, each, well, well I know that Bjork didn't have a very good time at all, you know, but like, so it's that sort of put me off of watching it and sort of the way, like, when you look at the plot in general, you might look at that and be like, wow, that just sounds like misery porn. Um, but when you actually watch it play out, 
it doesn't just purely feel like watching a woman suffer for two hours and 10 minutes you know it's like it's like we are seeing bad circumstances certainly but it doesn't it, it never really felt exploitative it never really felt like it's just wallowing in nihilism or anything like that it's more like you know this is a situation these are very bad circumstances and we're watching someone uh try and deal with them and also try and be as selfless as they can be you know because her whole storyline is basically about her trying to create a better future for her son you know um who's going through this same sort of like sight worsening condition and i think that um that's like captured very like powerfully there are a lot of very emotional sequences in it um uh, I think, you know, Bjork does a fantastic job at, like, you know, really selling this emotion, really making that real. Definitely, like, one of the best performances ever by a singer-turned-actor as well. But Which is something that, like, you know, it doesn't always work. Sometimes a singer can be a good actor, sometimes they can be awful. But mm. in this instance, that, 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 that just worked. And maybe that was partially because she didn't enjoy making it, you know? Maybe, it, maybe that fueled it somehow, but regardless mm. of it you know she yeah she did do a fantastic job um uh, what about you jason yeah as you said i think it is quite a different musical you know because of how it was shot but i think it's also quite powerful and you know and, and it won the palm door at the Cannes film festival and it has generally received a lot of praise too and some people called it one of the best films ever mm-hmm. and, and some people I, called I'm it sure. one of the worst as well you know yes that's true it's, it's a bit controversial but mm-hmm. I, I, I like the film no, I respect its creativity, and I think Bjork is fantastic, as you said. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and I think Lars von Trier deserves credit as well for like his style, because you know, like that dogma style, you know, it's not for everybody, and you know, you might watch the first like forty minutes and be like, "Wow, this is like, like kind of poorly made." I mean, it's not really poorly made, but it it it's sort of intentionally kind of a bit choppy and a bit like. Uh, kind of unpolished in the way it's presented but then when it changes and you see that like and you see how the style then fits these musical numbers that go on um you kind of then can like see a certain difference and that difference is i think used to very good effect um i think the choreography is really good i think the songs are really good i think that they're very memorable and i think that the way that they're used in certain situations is very very creative as well like i love how um uh, the sequence where she's singing about, you know, like how something will catch me, and she like then ends up falling onto those police officers who have come to arrest her, or even the bit where, um, uh, which it, 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 this this bit would be, I'm not gonna gonna really specifically describe it because this would be a spoiler, but like there's something major that happens an hour in that like turns the film on its head and sends it in a certain direction and then we see basically a musical number that is a uh, showing the imagined version of that and what selma kind of wanted it to be and it's a very surreal sequence and it's almost is kind of jarring but it is very very like it works it, it, it does really really work and you know it kind of yeah it's um yeah i mean as as far as like flaws go i really only felt that like um uh, the uh, what 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 I, I can't remember his name, but the but the guy who was played by Peter Stormare, um, I thought that he was played a bit weirdly. Um, he was supposed to be a kind of a love interest, but it he he felt a bit more like just a person who was a bit obsessed with the main character, and you know he didn't like. I feel like they could have played him like as just a straightforward love interest, but they didn't really want to. 
but they ended up sort of pushing it so it just came off more like he was just a bit of a stalker you know like not like not mm. a complete stalker but a little bit of a stalker he just he just showed up just constantly was like oh i want to take you home and stuff like that you know i, I don't know that like that that element didn't really work for me um he, he does a really good job in the film though he has he has one scene that is very very well acted by him um but but that presentation was a little bit clumsy be interested to see what this would be like if it was made on stage because usually you you get a film musical that's made following the stage version don't you mm-hmm. and occasionally it does work the other way around i mean for example dirty dancing came out as a film they made it into a stage musical i wonder how they would approach dance from the dark if they put it on stage mm-hmm. i mean that'd be quite a challenge wouldn't it really they'd probably need more songs as well if they was going to do it the other way around no but I don't know. well the film itself is like i mean it's like two hours uh 14 minutes with credits so I think that in order to get it to three hours, you probably would just—I have no clue. You, you, you probably you probably would just have to add stuff if you needed yeah, if you, you needed it to be three hours. You know, you'd, you'd need more songs, I think. But it's just interesting to to imagine how they'd approach it because, mm-hmm. as I say, the convention is you always have the stage music as a reference point before you make the film. So whilst we're chatting here, I'm kind of putting myself myself in the shoes of a director where you've got a musical and you think, how do I make it work on screen? That's going to work in reverse. And I think that's an interesting sort of um, challenge for anyone, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Who's on the creative side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Um, you know, and it's kind of, it's like, I mean, obviously you, you, you have to do that when you're like adapting something. Like when, I think mm. that when you're adapting stuff to film, it depends on what you're adapting, but a lot of the time you have to think like, what am I going to cut out? You know? Yeah. Um, and, but if you're doing a play, sometimes it, it'll be a matter of like, what can I add? You know, mm, because you know, right, you, yeah. have, you, 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 haven't, you even have like musical adaptations of like films that, or stories that weren't musicals to begin with. Mm. So you just think to yourself like, all right, well, where can I add a number? Like what moment should there be a musical number? You know, mm. and that kind of, and that overall, again, it's part of like, the whole creative genesis behind you know these different like uh st- like genres and also like you know just um settings as well mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it, yeah yeah so and to to kind of like head on to the next one as well uh the umbrellas of sherborg which is a more famous one and a more influential one uh came out in the 60s and um it was a French film, and coincidentally, both this and Dancer in the Dark star Catherine Deneuve as well. Mm. Um, and it, it's like this. This was, you know, you know the, 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 this is probably the thing that like made Catherine Deneuve kind of a star in her native country in France, you know, and you know for good reason as well. And like it kind of like what it basically is is it's basically like a romantic drama, and the entire thing is sung. And it's sung very casually as well. There aren't any like real numbers. There are no like dances. There's not. There's nothing in it that you would look at and be like, "Oh, that is a musical." But the thing is, is that everybody sings everything that they're saying. Mm. Yeah, I I, th- I think the Umbrellas of Sherborg is is an amazing film. It looks beautiful. I watched it again over the weekend because it is actually on YouTube and subtitled obviously but i watched it again i hadn't watched it in a fair number of years but it just reminded me how visually stunning it looks and the music by michelle legrand is just absolutely incredible and 
you think, how can you really go wrong? This is France, 1963. Catherine Deneuve, directed by Jacques Demy, music by Michel Legrand. That's the perfect combination, really. But it, it just looks sumptuous. It's got a lovely look about it, and it's very easy on the eye. But again, coming back to one of my hobby horses about narratives in, within musicals, this had a quite a strong storyline with the guy and the girl falling in love. Then he goes off to do his national service and gets involved in the Algerian conflicts and things happen to her while he's away. Um, so I think it's quite a strong storyline there as well uh, to complement it, but a lovely looking film. Yeah, I mean, I, I although I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the storyline was like anything special, um, I did think that it, it, it was very emotionally powerful. It's definitely... It's, it's a very, very emotional movie and it's very, and that's partially what made it really, really good. Um, I wouldn't say inherently that the story was particularly strong, but I think it was fine for like something that was only 90 minutes. For a musical, and, Rob, I think for yeah. a musical, it was strong, I think, but I know yeah. what you mean though. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, it kind of like, it just, it worked really well with such because it was a very, it, it, it was a well-told, very, um, you know, a bit sweet story that, you know, was happy but still had drama and wasn't like completely you know it it it, it, it doesn't have the most like positive outcome but there is a sense of like you know happiness even to that not so not so great outcome um it's one that like does dare to you know basically uh take the genre and actually like ground it as well it's great it's a very it's one of the most grounded musicals that you can think of not just because that style but also because there's nothing about it that's really like fantastical like not not even anything that's presented on screen as a fantasy um and the best like quality to it is that it manages to both like justify what it's doing and also do what it's doing well you know what do you think, Jason? I think it's a pretty interesting film. I watched it yesterday, and I really liked it. It won the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival, and I think it was very well yeah. deserved. Yeah, yes, yeah. I, I really think I really like how the, as you said, the whole dialogue is sun. You know, there are no music numbers, but the, you know, just the whole film is sun. And then all of the conversation. I think it's a pretty, very good idea. Yes. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, and 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 why do you think it um, works? I think acting is pretty good too. Do you, do, like, do you think that that's what kind of like helps the singing? Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, because, yeah. because when they're singing, they're also performing too, so it's it's important that they act that, that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's very powerfully acted. Catherine Deneuve does a brilliant job in the mm-hmm. in the role. Um, she really like gets your sympathy, and you know, even just her eyes alone. You're, even if you just muted the film, if you just looked at her eyes, you could tell how she was feeling, and that's that's you know a quality that she did really but, well in *Dancer in the Dark* too. Yeah, but, but I think that's an interesting point in itself, though, isn't it? That you know, it's it's almost got an operatic quality about it because if you turned off the subtitles, you could sense the emotion. It's a bit like watching an opera in what mm. the ones in Italian, and you don't go for the translation you just watch and you feel the emotion you draw on the emotion of the characters so i think you kind of get that in this film so it almost has that operatic quality where you you feel the emotion of the characters and what they're going through i think another another uh, point i'd make there is that it's one of the 
relatively few musicals that are sung all the way through. And very few musicals do that. They will be they will break the songs down with spoken dialogue. Another film that's sung through that springs to mind is Evita. That's sung through. And I, I think it's probably stronger for it. But even then, you it's surprising that they took that approach with Evita because it, it's such a powerful character, Evita, Eva Peron. But I think sometimes musicals are better when they don't have spoken dialogue. And this is one of those one of those films, one of those film musicals that do that, that need an all sung through approach. Yeah, I mean I haven't really seen that many musicals that like do have that approach, you know, like like this 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 one for me is kind of it was a different experience because of that. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't seen any opera on stage. I haven't even I haven't even seen it many examples of like that brought to film or anything like that. Um and I like, you know, which I think is like I do prefer having like spoken dialogue, but um for this one I was able to kind of accept it because, you know, it was like it's consistent. The entire thing is sung through and, you know, it's kind of it's it's almost like it, it's like the best marriage between speaking and singing as well. Because it doesn't quite have the power and project and projection of singing, but it also doesn't have the same quality as speaking either. Um, and the other thing that helped as well was the direction too, because every it, it felt almost like every single scene was done in, in like one take, um, and that kind of added to the not only the intimacy of the film, but also added to the power of it. You know, added to like the power of the singing and like the story as well and the characters. And yeah, I thought, yeah, it's definitely, it's probably Jacques Demi's most famous film. And that's for good reason. I mean, it's the one, Mm -hmm. it's the one that was like the biggest influence on um, Damien Chazelle when he was doing a La La Land too. And upon watching it, I can certainly see similarities. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think you can definitely, but I think I prefer Ambrose Sherbrooke to La La Land. Okay. All right. And, And how comes? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think La La Land just grated on me slightly. And I don't think it was... It won the Oscar for Best Film, didn't it? I think as well, La no, La Land? No, it didn't. It didn't. No. I thought it did. Oh, uh, well, well, you, well, remember the controversy where it's like, you know, with the card? Oh, of course no. it was, yeah. Uh, that's what confused me. Well, anyway, um, you know, it won so many plaudits, La La Land. But it, for me, it, it just didn't quite work as well. It, it's a personal thing. You know, when you see a film, you think, you know, it's getting all this attention, all this fuss made of it. And I think sometimes the hype puts me off slightly. Uh, but it didn't work as well as The Umbrella of although you can see the influence. So La La Land was very similar too, but not as good as The Umbrella of in my opinion. Okay. All right. Yeah, I I know. I think that they're specifically comparable, but you know, I do think that like um, I I, I think both of them are great. I think La La Land is a great movie, you know, but it's kind of um, it's 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 not doing the same thing with the genre that this one was doing. You know, that one is a lot more self conscious in its like kind of tribute and ode to the classics. You know, whilst also genuinely like using them to tell the story very well. Uh, whereas the umbrellas of Sherbrooke kind of again it takes the genre and it kind of does a it just does a spin on it you know and it's but it's a spin that works quite well um yeah do, do you have anything to add jason uh no no i do not thank you okay uh all right so uh yeah and yeah and before we bring up the last two um 
what your guys's opinion on some of the like classic ones like um singing in the rain uh greece uh even stuff like the wedding singer what what, what 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 do you guys think about that if we go back far into the past i, th- well, I think i'm oh, sorry sorry jason after you yes of course well i'll go i'll go in the past quite deep to the past i'll, I'll go to the jazz center 1927 film it's a musical drama film which was directed by alan crossland and starring al johnson and it is the first motion picture in which spoken words are heard. I mean, it completely revolutionized the motion picture industry. It's such a past for sin to come, I think. You know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's the first, you know, the first film that used spoken dialogue. It's a, the plot's about a young man who goes against his... Jewish family's traditions in order to pursue his dream and becoming a jazz singer. It's a black and white film, obviously, and you know, it just, I believe we should mention this because it just changed the cinema forever with its mm. words. Yeah. It's quite an historic movie, isn't it, for that yeah. reason? Yeah. And I, I think for the first time we saw how uh, performances can be portrayed on screen as well because you had that kind of that simple element of added sound it changed everything didn't it Absolutely. but yeah it, it was a landmark undoubtedly it was a landmark uh generally speaking I, I i'm probably a bigger fan of the older musicals than i am the more modern ones because that's where where my education started when i started watching films when i was growing up as a kid sunday afternoon after the football went off uh Telly would go over to BBC Two or BBC One, and there would be a Western on or a Moore movie, or invariably a musical. And it would be something like Singing in the Rain, uh, which I, I think is a timeless musical, really. Great songs, great set pieces. You've got one of the greatest entertainers ever to have lived, Gene Kelly. Um, again, not to everyone's taste, but there's something infectious about those performances. Um, and that, that famous scene that that will always be featured in any kind of countdown, top 100 movies, top 100 musicals, top 100 scenes. That scene where he's jumping, running down the street, uh, singing in the rain, twirling his umbrella and dancing with, with the cop. And, and he did all of that when he, when he had um, a temperature of 120 and he had the flu. But he put in what was an outstanding performance. Uh, but it, it stands out, and there's something infectious about that type of musical. You know, m- musicals tread a very fine line of being um, 
sincere or being corny. It's a very delicate balance and they can be very frothy and sugary sweet. But a film like Singing in the Rain manages to walk that line very well. I think we, you mentioned Grace earlier on. I think I think Grace has got some great songs. It's taken a lot of stick over the years. Yeah, the cast the the cast were a lot older than the characters they were meant to be playing. But I think that's simply a case of not being able to cast someone who's really sixteen or seventeen. You know, I think that's just the reality there. But great songs. It's the mantra that I always come back to in musicals. It's all about the songs. Yeah, and, it, and specifically when you talk about Reese, it does have that effect where it's like, you know, you listen to a song in the movie and then you realise, oh, I've heard this song before, which kind of is an indication that, like, some of them have, like, taken on lives of their own. You know, I'm thinking yeah. of Summer Loving Song. I'm thinking... Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a couple of other songs where I was watching it. I was like, oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I would say, like, yeah, as far as, like, those go, yeah, I would say... I would say singing in the rain is uh, great certainly it's um i've seen a couple of other uh, gene kelly musical movies and like a lot of them and some of them don't necessarily have great it, it, it's interesting that you made that point about like you know a great story not really being a necessity because mm. i don't think that they have great stories like the, the, the ones that i've watched mm. um i do think that they are still um they, they still work well as movies and you know they still at least like provide an, a function to where we can genuinely see these performances that actually do like bolster the story as well and do make it more memorable than it probably would be if you didn't have them yeah. um i found the um uh greece um i i i wasn't the biggest fan of greece uh, and that's more just because like um the narrative itself to me just felt kind of like simple when you know it wasn't it it, it didn't have that much in it that i found particularly engaging again like apart from when they burst into song you know um yeah. and, you know and i actually and, and but there are some films where it's like you know i'll say like even regardless of the bits where they do sing i think that that story is great um yeah yeah jason what do you think about grace yeah what well, well, about about these films in general uh, well i also like to mention uh the wizard of oz which is a timeless mm. classic you know mm-hmm. Who hasn't seen The Wizard of Oz? You know, everybody remembers. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's always one. <laughs> okay, okay. But it's a great. You know. Yeah. It's a it's a classic. You know, Judy Garland is unforgettable. It has you know memorable characters, and the songs are pretty good. Somewhere over the rainbow, and we're off yeah. to see the wizard is, and the score is you know fantastic for its time. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's another one of the classics. Yeah, I mean, and it's always a film that you will always see on terrestrial TV at some point, and it will be on over Christmas, you know, for a fact it will be on. Yeah. It's that type of film. But, you know, in, in some ways, you, again, I suppose you have to be in the mood to see a film like The Wizard of Oz or any kind of musical. It's a feel good musical, isn't it? It doesn't challenge you on an intellectual level, it's not meant to. It's all about fun, it's about making you feel better. Right. So when you've seen a musical, you know, you've had a couple of hours worth of bright, tuneful songs, the odd toe tapper, the odd song you can sing along to. Right. And you get a happy ending. And that is the essence of the musical, isn't it, really? They don't they're not always like that, but generally speaking they were. Musicals that were made back then were meant to be happy. They were high on the happy side. If I can just come back to Greece for a, a brief moment. 
Grace was written uh, probably late 60s when the Vietnam War was at its height. Now, Warren Casey and Jim Jacobs, the writers, were anxious to write something that might provide an, an antidote to the Vietnam War. You know, America in the late 60s was going through a period of social turbulence, you know, civil rights movements, race riots, Vietnam. They wanted, to, they wanted something simple and light that takes people back to when they were at high school. That was what was driving that musical. And often you'll find the story behind these musicals are they want to make people feel good. They want people to forget about the present and they want people to be nostalgic. And sometimes you get people to remember the past. It was a happy place for them. And that's what musicals are trying to invoke a lot of the time. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, and yet, like, you know, it is it, it is certainly noteworthy that, like, a lot of these, like, ones are definitely, like, products of their time. Mm. Uh, so that kind of, that, that, that also does put pressure on, like, adaptations to, like, you know, take elements that might be a bit dated and, like, change them up to, you know, make them workable for, like, that particular, like, time period, you know. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, which I think, unfortunately, is, it, well, well, somewhat fortunately or unfortunately, is something that's very notable about the uh, 2014 version of uh, Annie um, that, you know, takes a story that was very, like, that is, that, that is somewhat popular and somewhat, like, well-known. You know, the tale of Little Wolf and Annie mm. has certainly been adapted into films beforehand. It's, it is a musical. It's even been adapted into, like, TV movies. Um, but unfortunately, it kind of, it, like, this this particular one ends up being kind of a failure in my opinion mm. and that the and all that it kind of d- did for me is it kind of made me wonder what was so special about this story like what was it about this story that made if if the other story if the other versions are faithful in the same way that this one is and they kind of tell the same general story then what is it about it inherently that makes it so like special and you know engaging uh for me unfortunately it was it was a misfire and it kind of all all it really did was it just made me like it it just kind of created this like strangely depressing feeling of like you know this is clearly not made by people necessarily who are phoning it in this is clearly made by people who want to make a good movie but they end up missing the mark in a few key areas uh especially when it comes to the actual songs themselves I have to say, uh, with Annie, um, I saw a production of Annie a very long time ago when I was probably in my teens. And I wasn't a fan of even the, the, the traditional version of Annie. I actually found it quite quite annoying in places. Uh, I don't know why. It's just what sometimes a musical will not work for me for no particular reason. That doesn't mean to say it's not good. It's just that you don't. I don't respond to it in the way that I normally would do. But I, I think you're right. I think Annie in 2014 was a failure. It didn't work. I'm not sure what they were trying to achieve with it. It certainly didn't break any new ground. Uh, I think when you try and adapt any kind of musical and you try and do something different with it, you have to be sure of what you're doing. And I don't think this really works. But you see, the thing is, I, I start out at a disadvantage because I wasn't a fan to begin with. And mm-hmm. it's very difficult to be objective about something that you're not really keen on, if you see what I'm getting at. 
Um, yeah. You know, so for me, it, it wasn't great. But you know, respect to to the uh, the musical itself because you know it's got its place in in uh, Broadway and Western history. It is one of the top musicals, and that remains so. But this film doesn't do it any favors, I don't think. Not really, no. Especially again, especially when it comes to the songs themselves, which is unfortunate because the in- the instrumental within them is actually very solid, but mm-hmm. the singing itself sounds like incredibly, incredibly artificial and very and very annoying as well. It doesn't sound it doesn't sound pleasing to the ear. There's so much heavy auto tune that it mm-hmm. ends up creating this sort of unpleasant feeling. And even mm-hmm. when you like take it out, take it out of it. Um, unfortunately, Will Gluck just doesn't, he doesn't direct them very well. He doesn't like, he, he, he keeps on switching the style. He rarely takes a consistent, like, you know, approach to them that like helps get you in a rhythm. It's like, sometimes he tries to do things with the environment. Sometimes he, um, kind of just keeps it still. Sometimes he goes for these like fantasy hallucinations, you know, like, and 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 the same kind of goes for the story as well because the story tries to like on some level be for both kids and adults but it feels almost i I would say it feels too corny for adults and also too like kind of boring for children um and that's also created in the fact that like for the first like two acts it doesn't feel like there's really any conflict at all um the uh, the only real conflict you have is just that like will stacks wants to like i guess win uh, being the New York mayor, so he's just using Annie as like publicity or whatever. And I guess Annie, I, I guess there's supposed to be like a relate a father daughter relationship, but that doesn't really amount to anything interesting. And only at the end is there like this a very very like contrived, very um kind of weak conflict that feels like it's just kind of there for a climax, you know. Um, it, it 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 was a misfire, and part of the and again part of the reason why is because like they just couldn't really find an interesting or an engaging angle to take on this story, you know. Hmm. Uh, Jason, what did you think? Well, if, if you watched it, yeah, I've seen it. It wasn't to my liking either. I thought the music numbers were boring, and I thought the characters were uninteresting. And the story was, you know, the pace was too slow, I say. Yeah, that, that didn't appeal to me at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, to... yeah, I agree. And, you, you, you know, I think um, uh, and, and, and I think the other depressing thing about it was that basically it killed it killed the career of uh, Quinsarvene Wallace and Cameron Diaz at once. Because like, <laughs> yeah, ne- neither of them have really, like, done anything after this film. And that was kind of sad to, like, see, especially Cameron Diaz, because it's unfortunate as well, because our performance really just didn't, r- r- really was not very good, surprisingly. Um, Although, was that, Rob, was that as a result of the film, or did she not just make a decision to step down, retire from films? Or yeah, no, well, well, it was dire- I, I, I don't think it was directly as a result of this yeah. film. Um, it could have, I, I, I think it was just purely a personal choice, but it was a yeah. very a sour note to go out on. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. It's the, it's, the, it's the worst film you could finish on if that is the finish. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think she she has quit for good, but mm-hmm. you certainly don't want to leave it there, do you? Let's, let's say that much. No, definitely not. Uh, you know, you, can, you, you, you compare a great entrance with, like, you know, The Mask, that entire oh, film, and you compare I love it. The mask. Yeah, I love The Mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you, can, yeah, you compare 
either her individual entrance or just her acting in mm. that film to the acting yeah. in this one. It is, and it just doesn't work. She does, she she just doesn't fit the role. No. Um, her singing surprisingly isn't very good, and she just kind of, um, it's it, it it's it's just a very poor poor performance, and it's definitely yeah. the the worst in the film. Um, and yeah, and 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 yeah, overall, it just and you know, in the film, it even tries to like add in these sort of like elements of like social commentary but it ends up having this very like like cynical without knowing it's cynical message mm. you know uh particularly in regards to materialism and the rich you know and being greedy and stuff like that it, it, you know which i could analyze but you know it's just the the, the film almost mm. just isn't worth that conversation you know no, no. yeah it's, yeah it's a sad it, it it is definitely it's 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 one of the main examples of like you know a stinker in regards to yeah. like this genre. Um, yeah, I'd go along with that. I think yeah, definitely. But the film and you know and and there are plenty of other examples of that too. You know, there are ones that have like flopped at the box office. Uh, there are ones that um, you know might have done well but received a big kicking critically. You know, as far as like ones go that weren't so good. Um, they. I, 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 I don't know if there's been one that has necessarily like sent the genre back to its grave, you know? Hmm. Yeah. So I don't think you can really kill the genre, but you can certainly like put it yeah. on. Like, I, I think, yeah, you can set it back because I, I think like most genres, it will always have its fan base. Film musicals will always have that fan base because mm-hmm. people that see musicals on stage, people that go to the theatre will go and see the film version almost always. So You've always got a fan base there. People will go and see it, right? But I think it it will lose floating support, if you like, and it will rely on, on certain blockbusters being good and bringing, bringing the casual observers back in. But it'll always have that hardcore, I suppose, just like most genres would have. It will go People that will go and watch it anyway. But yeah, it, it will ebb and flow inevitably, mm-hmm. but it does rely on big hits, like a Chicago, for example, mm-hmm. as we said earlier on, it yeah, helps to rejuvenate. Like Moulin Rouge, you know. Yeah, well, Moulin Rouge, yeah, perfect example, really, that brought the genre back to life for for the masses and not just the mm-hmm. fans. Yeah, definitely, and you know, because it's something we saw. Like the most infamous recent example was probably like Cats, you know, which was like based on famous Broadway play. They ended yeah. up like you know being massively mocked and you know even before release and they ended up bombing and ended up being terribly received and you know that and that I think did a lot of like quite a bit of damage like not necessarily to the genre but maybe to like um, mm. adapting more like uh, alternative Broadway ones that are harder to translate to film. It's you know? stra- strange, really though. We're cats because I I've seen I've seen the stage show many times. And I saw the film and I reviewed mm-hmm. the film for UK Film Review. Mm-hmm. And I gave it three stars. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was brilliant, but I thought it was mm-hmm. all right. Um, but you see, I think it's really the purists saying, right, this is not good enough because they see it as something very sacred, right? Um, where you've got a series of poems by T.S. Eliot that are strung together in a series of set pieces. Again, it's back to, to a, a point that I made at the beginning, is that how do you translate the energy from the live stage production onto film? And, of course, they relied on CGI, CGI quite heavily in the film, and it didn't entirely come off, I think. But it, I don't think it was a bad effort, but it was always vulnerable, I think, to criticism. Um, yeah. Uh, what, 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 what would you say was a major example of a failure, in your opinion, Jason? 
major example of failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, that really stood out to you, maybe. Uh, but I haven't seen cats, but I would say it's always a one. That's what everybody says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, again, I I, th- I think it's in some ways you're you when you when you make uh, a musical into a film and you're the first one to do it as well. That's another big big factor, I think. If you're if you're the first one to do it and attempt it, you're playing with people's vision of perfection, right? Because like people, fans of, of musical theatre will see something on stage and will will capture that moment forever. And the film version will never be will never quite match up, very rarely. And I think that's the that's the problem they have. Is that you're you're tr- you you not only are you breaking it to a new audience, but you're breaking it to an audience that's very difficult to please. Mm-hmm. Really, that's what I think the issue is with a lot of film musicals. Yeah, you are, but at the, yeah, at the same time though, you know, like it, it can still, it, like it is perfectly capable of, like you know, still winning both of them over, like oh, you know, yeah, sure, um, even and and you know, you you can have some that are certainly divisive, but you know, they can still like. It, I think it more just depends on like how often it's been interpreted. You know, if it's been interpreted yeah. several times, then yeah, you do have to try a bit harder. But if you're adapting something that has only been adapted like maybe one or two times, mm. there's, there, there, I, I think I just personally think that there's less of an expectation. You know, especially yeah. like you know, like re, like a recent example where um, even though this film didn't do so well, where uh, In the Heights uh, came out this year and it's still playing in UK cinemas and stuff, but. You know, and although unfortunately it just didn't, it didn't quite make the money that people were expecting. Uh, to me, it was still a really solid, great effort, and mm. it kind of it ended up. It basically kind of it didn't necessarily reinvent the re- the wheel, but it was still a really solid example of one, and it did have yeah. a very engaging story at its center. Yeah, I must admit that's not one I've seen yet because that's still running at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So you thought it you thought it was pretty decent then? Yeah, 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 I would say so. I, I would say it was very good, yeah. Yeah. Because it I mean as much as you can tell from the trailers, I mean it looks quite inviting, it looks lively, lots of bright mm-hmm. characters. Uh mm-hmm. and the the songs appear to be well constructed. Yeah, yeah, um, they, they 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 are. They are, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. So no, I would it, recommend it. All the ingredients seem to be there, don't they? You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's definitely one to, one to explore and one I need to see. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, but is it, so to move on to our final one, which which is definitely again one that has been reinterpreted several times. Uh, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, uh, the 2007, the Tim Burton. Another, it, it's another one of the uh, uh, Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, Hel- Helena Bonham Carter collaborations as well. Um, and you know, it's basically them adapting the story of you know a uh, guy who comes back to this uh, kind of Victorian esque town or city, and is basically looking for revenge on the people who have wronged him. And he's taking up the identity of Sweeney Todd, and he's being this barber, but he's also being this like serial killer. And he teams up with Mrs. Lovett, who's this like you know baker and the um, owner of this like shop that sells pies. And they kind of team up and we're kind of following his like, again, quest for vengeance as well as like, you know, a couple of other like subplots. Um, uh, Yeah, I think it's so I'm not like I wasn't hugely familiar with this story either. Um, But, you know, it's so famous that uh, I had heard of it and I did know the general 
like gist of like what happens in this film and um i thought it was a very solid effort from uh, tim burn i thought that he um uh his kind like it's definitely his most like it's it's his darkest film by far not only visually but just in terms of its story and especially in terms of its violence it's almost the type of thing that you can't you're surprised not only even is a musical but also was based on a broadway show uh got such a wide release because at its center it is a very nihilistic dark tale of revenge you know it's about a man whose life got ruined and he's looking to basically kill people just to you know like gain some sort of catharsis and you know it's definitely it's not something that we see from burton often but i think that like his sensibilities kind of do work well with the story and he ends up making a film that is like a uh, very like depressing but you know it's still an entertaining experience yeah um i mean i felt personally that sweeney todd for me was a bit of a disappointment both mm-hmm. as a musical and the film itself now the musical written by Stephen Sondheim. And you would expect a certain quality. Stephen Sondheim wrote the lyrics for West Side Story. So you think, God, it's got to be good, surely. But I I thought the songs were disappointing. I thought they weren't particularly memorable. And in the film itself, you know, as well made as it was, with all the uh, quality personnel you got involved there, um, the songs tended to interrupt the story too much and it was detracting from the story. It is a great story. I like the story of Sweeney Todd. But to me, whilst it's a bold attempt to take what you might call unusual subject matter for a musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the revenge tale, basically. Yeah, it, it's, that's, that's quite a bold move because if you imagine yourself as a composer, as a film director, you think, what's the most unusual subject we could take? to make a musical and something like Sweeney Todd would be pretty much out there. You think, well, it's daring and I like that, but I just don't think it quite works because the songs at the end of the day, the songs aren't quite strong enough and they only detract from what I think is a very good story. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And do you think that's up to the lyrics? Do you think that's up to the way they're sung? Uh, what, I think what it's, would... it's elements of all of those. I think really, um, you know, I, I don't think there are any particularly great voices on show there. Um, but it doesn't mean to say that, you know, this is this is something we touched on earlier on, where you've got this dilemma. If you if you're a casting director, if, and you you've got a musical, whether it's on stage or on screen, you think, do I cast an actor that can't sing, or a singer that can't act? Mm-hmm. You know, and very rarely do you, do you get someone who can do both equally well. And mm-hmm. I think in Sweeney Todd, I think they've gone for the for actors. I mean, you don't have to have a great voice to carry a tune. That is true enough. But I don't think the voices were good enough. Again, if I can briefly come back to uh, Mamma Mia, that works a lot better, even though the vast majority of the the cast in Mamma Mia couldn't sing, not really. But they carried it. They made it work. And I don't think think it works in, in Sweeney Todd because the voices aren't there. You know, and it's the old cliche about you can't put in what nature left out. They're great mm. actors, but they're not great singers. So oh, I, that's think interesting. That, I think that's a big problem with it for me anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I personally, uh, I, I, I thought it was sung well. Um, I didn't think it was like, you know, um, I wouldn't say that like 
either Johnny or Helena or even the other actors who sung. I I, I couldn't really like tell with the, that they were singing badly, but I understand that there's probably a subtlety to it that maybe yeah. I wouldn't be able to pick up on. But, but you see, that's the thing, though, Rob. You made a good point there because you know I'm not necessarily saying that you have to have a great voice to make mm-hmm. a song work. You know, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily. But to me, there was maybe there's just a lack of character in the voice, right? Mm-hmm. That some of some of the biggest Broadway stars, some of the biggest stars mm-hmm. on on the West End, don't have great singing voices, but they they make it in musicals because because of their personality and their charm and their charisma, you know, their ability to make somebody like them. And almost you, you don't worry the fact that they're not known perfect, but. Mm-hmm. Here it seems to be missing for me, you know. Even though they're okay, they're all right, you know. And it also, it's a film, right? Mm-hmm. Live on stage, they do it night after night. They do eight shows a week for a two-year run. That's something entirely different. But mm-hmm. on film, they've only got to, they've only got to get one take, haven't they? Really, I guess. Um, well, so well, well, well they have multiple them. takes, but they have to pick the well, best yeah, take. Yeah, I know, but, but they pick the yeah exactly. They pick the best take. But on stage, they're doing it live, night after night. Uh, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, that that that, that is an interesting difference. Um, yeah, I mean, as but but as a film, it, but you know, I think like I think although like if I I I, I quite like the uh, songs, but um, I will say that like if there is a flaw to it, I think that Burton doesn't really do anything interesting visually. Like he kind of he gives it that like gothic look that a lot of his films have um almost to a detriment like it is a very darkly lit film and you know i think that that is sometimes like a bit distracting uh but sometimes it also works as well it's not a bad looking film but it is quite like dark in its lighting but i do feel like visually speaking um his direction never really fully came to life he didn't really do anything creative with the camera he didn't really do anything creative with the editing either he just sort of like shot and cut it regularly you know like you would any other film and you know to me or, 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 or like a film that's more like held back and to me that was the problem but i think what did carry it for me was the story overall were the characters i found the, the characters to actually be like surprisingly like engaging and interesting particularly like the two leads and um i think that although the film does you know is a bit long because we do have this subplot surrounding like you know uh, the daughter that the main villain judge Turpin is like keeping prisoner and this guy who wants to come and rescue her. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a like distracting, like plot cul-de-sac, I guess you could say. Well, but at the same time though, I think that the main story, the revenge story itself is well handled. Um, and I, I, and I do appreciate again that like, you know, they weren't, they weren't afraid to go there and like create some very like, unsympathetic very like vile characters but still add this like humanity to them um either like especially again the two leads you know like sweeney told he's a serial killer but he is a very like tragic sympathetic figure uh mrs lovett is kind of a is a pretty awful person but is definitely again is in some ways sympathetic uh jason oh oh, go 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 ahead brian no what i was gonna say is that to me it's the type of film musical that you imagine what it would be like without the songs. And I think mm-hmm. they could probably do without the songs in okay. some strange way. All right. Well, what would you think, Jason? 
Yeah, I agree with I agree. Regarding Sweeney Todd, I think the costumes and the settings look great. I think the story was intriguing, but yes, I do. I, don't, I think it would it would have worked out better if it wasn't a musical, because it's kind of like a musical slasher film, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I don't, I don't think that works. I would have preferred it if it was a proper film, you know, mm-hmm. not, a, not a musical. So I don't think it's a good musical. No, I do not. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 That 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 is an interesting like distinction. Yeah. Um. I think that like um. I I I don't know. I mean. I mean. I think like it being sung definitely adds a it adds a unique style to it. Um. I think that like it does add a bit more bomb bombast to the emotions on display. Um. And you know sometimes I think it does work well. But I mean. But yeah. You probably could have. I'm sure you could have reduced the amount of songs because there are quite a few. Um, at the same time, I think the like you know I think I think as a film it's still successful and um, you know I think that like I even think that like you know when it comes to like the acting specifically like uh, Johnny Depp he doesn't really he doesn't really like I was expecting him to really overplay it but he really doesn't he actually holds back quite a lot and that kind of it it kind of lends this like powerful quality to his singing because these are the moments where he is truly like showing off how his character feels internally and you know even and even there are some bits that aren't sung that i found to be like very well acted by him the uh the sequence where what well, one of the scenes where he gets his revenge is a very very scary powerful sequence and that's mainly just on his like delivery alone you know and also the amount of like heavy violence in that sequence is just like is really startling and really quite shocking as well yeah so um uh yeah over like that's that's kind of that's that that's that's that that's uh that's how i feel about that film and that's kind of I guess how I feel about um, a lot of the, these other films. Um, I mean, obviously there are like countless examples that we can like draw from, um, but to kind of, I, I guess almost like wrap, wrap things up. Um, like what, what would you guys say is um, one of your favorites that you don't think gets enough credit in this genre? That's an interesting one. I, I don't know. It's it's difficult because the the musicals that spring to mind for me are the, are the really big productions that do do get a lot of attention. I I think I would go for Les Misérables mm-hmm. simply because it was a monumental uh, story uh, by Victor Hugo um, that that been around for so long as a musical it'd been around for so long and they made the film relatively late i think i'm surprised that film didn't get made a lot sooner than it did because it didn't get made till 2012 but when it did appear i i think it was a fantastic effort and hugh jackman as dajon was brilliant and russell crowe as Javert was brilliant as well and really you can't go wrong the songs are just are just astounding and they worked so well on screen. But uh, what they did there was that they went out to authentic locations and they turned it into an epic as well. So it was an epic film and an epic musical. Uh, and for me, I don't think it, it's because of its long-standing reputation on stage, it did, the film version didn't always get the credit it really deserved, in my opinion. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 that was one that I even avoided watching when it came out. But that was more just because it looked so like uh, long and emotionally draining. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, it is. I think you you have to sort of dig in <laughs> uh, for a long a long haul. But you've got the songs to break down. What is what is a very sort of somber, depressing storyline as well? It's not a barrel of laughs, is it really? Um, but you have but what you have got in. Uh, the miserable are the Tanadios who, who run the, the the lodging house, played by Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter in the film, who are very funny, very good value, and they break down a lot of the intensity, if you like, and the characters fulfil the same role on stage, and they give it some, they give it some light and shade. So, but you're right though, it is it is heavy going, it is heavy going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, well, one one example I would say it's and 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 this weirdly and this might seem like a weird example, but I think one that's like genuinely un- underrated for how good its music is is uh, South Park: Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, which it, like oh. is a musical and actually has like, in my opinion, it has very memorable, great songs that I can still like, you know, uh, conjure up in my head and even sing, you know. And I think it's like that's, and that's kind of one of the call. It, it, it's like, in some ways, it's like te- it tries to like be a parody because it, try, you know, it's animated and it takes this like similarly like Disney Renaissance musical like you know style, but it adds it to like you know such like vulgar, um, incredibly like dark scenarios that um, you know still, in my opinion, like in my opinion, that's a really good movie and it's yeah. partially really good because actually kind of pulls off being a good musical whilst also being kind of a parody yeah i i mean look south park's great fun i i, th- I think it goes for the jugular it's unsubtle but then again it's meant to be that's mm-hmm. the that's the way it's set up but i think that's probably why it didn't get it didn't get the time it didn't get the airplay quite as much i suppose and it's yeah i it, well i am more just saying like on an on a, as a musical like because as yeah. a movie like you know it was pretty successful it was yeah. well received but yeah. i do feel like personally speaking it it is successful in that in that department more so than you know i well it did i i think one of its a blame canada did get an award um but well, got an award like it got like a nomination for like best original song, I think. But um, mm. that, but just, but just generally speaking, I haven't seen it be praised for that quality. No, I know. No point taken. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Jason, what about you? Do you have Do you have any any like ones that you really like that have been brought up? Any musicals that I like that I don't think has enough credit? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, any any like that or any that you just think are really like great that like, you know, yeah. When you think like great. Well, yeah, there is Mary Poppins, of course. Mm-hmm. That's another classic with Julie Andrews in her unforgettable role as a nanny. Mm-hmm. You know, who everybody loves that film that won Oscars. And it's just a classic one of the sixties and it undoubtedly Julie Andrews most iconic role. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic film, uh, and, and again another another great stage show. But um, again, it's it's something I I mean, Mary Poppins is something you I associate with childhood. It's something you watch as a kid and you're enchanted by it. But you still feel enchanted by it watching it as an adult as well. So it's it's a lovely film with great songs, and also Dick Van Dyke in the film with probably the worst Cockney accent ever, but. Hey, that probably. kind of adds to its appeal slightly. <laughs> that probably adds to its appeal, but it was pretty bad, though. 
but nevertheless, it doesn't detract from what a great film it was. Um, one other film that I would throw into the pot for films, film musicals that are underappreciated, Rent, uh, which was made early noughties. Um, great songs, uh, Seasons of Love, which I think is one of the greatest modern film musical songs of the last 20 years and uh, features Adina Mazzell and many members of the original Broadway cast. Anthony Rapp is in it as well. Um, very good film. Sunk commercially, didn't really work, but well worth checking out. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Uh, right. So, yeah, I would say that's it. Uh, thanks very much for uh, being guests on this episode. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, be with you next time. We will. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Have a good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.